0: Welcome to this week's episode of Church Unscripted. I'm Pastor John, and uh, if you have not yet subscribed, please hit the subscribe button, the notification bell, so that you know when the episode goes online, and hit the like if you like this episode. And I've got with me Pastor Eric and Pastor David. Pastor Eric, you preach Sunday. Um, Can you give us kind of a summary of your sermon? I mean, we kind of do this every time, but you didn't actually build a table on stage this week, did you?
1: (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Uh, Although that would be a lot of fun. Uh, but no, this is, it was to illustrate kind of the point of the message this weekend. So what I did is I, I I went first through Luke chapters one through four and kind of summarized it. And uh, what I tried to pull out of the summary is that Jesus ministry is all about healing what Satan has destroyed and broken and so forth. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of set the table for uh, the dinner scene that Jesus would have with uh, a tax collector named Matthew or Levi uh, in Luke chapter five, verse 27 through 32. And so the point I was trying to make is that uh, when you, sit down at a meal with jesus um it's it's a good opportunity for you to be healed Mm -hmm. and i'm not just talking about healed from a cold or cancer or something like that that's a lot of debatable conversation Mm -hmm. in our culture today but most importantly it's healed from what sin does to you it takes your soul, your spirit that Satan has corrupted because of sin, and he brings new life into it. And so that has its effects in the rest of the areas of our life. um, And I think that's noticeable. That's why the Bible talks about fruit of the spirit and so forth. But the illustration of the table and why we've got some glue up here is because um, last week, all that we had on the stage were just individual boards. And and an individual board, you really can't do a whole lot with at all. But the moment you meet Jesus, you have now been bonded together with him, but also with the rest of the body of Christ. And now you're a part of something bigger that can be useful. Um, And when you're a part of the family of Jesus because of faith in him, then you are healed and you are set free and you're restored. And now all of a sudden you can be a part of the healing ministry of other people. And so uh, the hope was that uh, the message was when you are unified with Christ by faith, then you're not just healed, but you can be a part of mm. other people's healing as well. So, wow. that was that was the hopefully the summary that people got from it. Awesome, awesome, yeah. yeah, that definitely
0: is. I, I think that's amazing because I think that's something that's well needed. We can't do church; we can't be the church on our own. You know, we need right. to be doing it together. So, oh, I'll give you guys a very, very simple. This is a softball question to start us off today. Um, how do you personally define community? What does that mean to you? Oh, is that a softball oh. question? No, that's literally the question.
1: See how softball that was?
0: I was like, waiting
2: for the punchline. Yeah, nope, no, I nope. Was too. I was like, was no done with the line? question?
0: Or? I mean, I yeah. could have said like, you know, the glue, the wood glue is like the Holy Spirit bonding us together. But no, it's just. No, nah, just
2: stick with the question. Yeah, what, th- th- good how do you personally yeah.
0: define community uh-huh. and what does it mean to you?
1: You want to take it first?
2: sure i think i mean i think it's looked different in different phases of life for me and and my wife um we've had seasons where we do like small groups and we get together and have that kind of uh more uh table experience where we're getting we're having a meal we're doing a study together those kinds of things um but on the other hand we've we've built community around um different topics or ideas or things that aren't necessarily around a table, but more like shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder doing things, hobbies, things like that. Uh, but simply, I would say community is just being with people and being transparent and vulnerable with, with others and vice versa. I think that's where community is built. Yeah. So, so what agree. does it mean to mm-hmm. you, though?
1: Mean to me? Yeah. You mean like what kind of value does it bring yeah. to them? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's vitally important. I mean, it without... Community there's there's many things that I've faced in my life and that we've faced as a family that without community uh, We would probably be I don't know beside ourselves like just down in the dumps, you know And and so I think for us the value in community is that people can see Maybe they've experienced something and they see the other side of it or they haven't experienced it But they're with you and just encouraging you. So I'd say vital is that a good answer? Yeah. There, I, there's no right answer, I don't think.
1: I, I agree. I think it's vital. Um, I would say there's there's actually two answers to that question. One is the theological understanding of it, and I think the other is the practical benefit from it. So theologically, um, I think what we glean from Scripture is that the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit uh, are in perfect community with each other. Um, and I think you have glimpses of what that looks like as you study Scripture, but it's it's they are in relationship with each other and it's not in any way corrupted by sin. So when we are invited into community, into the body of Christ, it's meant to give us, I think, a glimpse of what uh, heaven's community looks like. So Mm -hmm. if if somebody asked me the question, what is heaven like? I tried to explain it in such a way where it's it's, you have the same kind of relationships that you have here, Mm -hmm. um, except it's not corrupted by sin. And so there's no jealousy and there's no competition. Mm and there's no, um, I don't know, anything that sin can do to corrupt relationships, that's not the case. And so I think when you have community in a church body of Christ setting, you get a glimpse, a practical beneficial glimpse into what, community in heaven is going to look like. And so this really, this really, I think becomes very, very evident when, when families experience some of the most difficult times in their life. And I can tell you, especially with the number of funerals that I've done in my ministry so far, uh, the families who are connected to a church, Go through the loss of a loved one significantly better and and easier than those who are not because you have an entire family that surrounds you and provides for you, um, but the people who do not have a church experience or a church family they're they're desperately looking not just for a venue mm-hmm. but for community support mm-hmm. and it's hard it's really hard to find and that's why I think I have a really hard time with people saying, you know I believe in Jesus, I'm a believer, but I just don't really attend church very much. I don't see that those are two things you can say at the same time. Because if you say, I can't wait to go to heaven, you know, uh, then the best way to get prepared for heaven is to experience the closest thing to heaven's community right now on earth. And that is, I think, through the church. So I think there's a theological reality to it. Then that plays out into a practical benefit for us.
0: Well, and and you're talking about the disconnect. I mean, you can't live in community together if you're not part of the community. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. So a couple things. Well, well, hold on, before you move on, you have to answer the question Mm -hmm. too. I was going to, I'm going to. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) I'm going to. I, I, uh, I, I'm going to tell a story from the Old Testament first. I'll just open okay. it up there. Yeah. So, like, if you look at the story of Achan, and some of us know the story of Achan. If you don't know the story of Achan, look it up.
1: What what, what chapter and book it is?
0: Uh, it's in Genesis. I no, wait, Genesis or Exodus? I don't remember. Okay, I'm I'm blanking right Give now. Give us the context. Basically, Achan did something God specifically said not to do, and we're like, why is Achan such a big deal? So Achan goes back, he stole something that he wasn't supposed to take. They were supposed to get rid of all these things that they plundered when they're going into the land, the Israelites. And he didn't do it. He didn't follow what God said. No one really knew that it was Achan that did it until the point where God brought judgment on him. And actually Achan died as a result of his sin. But that's not why I'm bringing this up. The thing is the sin affected the community entering yeah. the land, right? Mm-hmm. That was the issue. So so sometimes in a community, we don't realize that our, um, I guess our sin and the things that we're struggling with does affect everyone else. So why not embrace the fact that that's the case mm. and reach out for others' help, support, mm-hmm. encouragement? And so when I look at community, I look at that's the support system around you. Mm. You see anything tragic happen in the United States and if it's happening in a place of isolation, which is usually the case, um, you end up seeing people that it's because of that isolation from community that they got to the place they got. Whether it was kids that are getting bullied in school, all of a sudden they go back to their school and, and commit harmful acts. Um, whether it's, it's people that are Um frustrated about something you see them just get so angry and you're like this doesn't make sense Well, it's because they're isolated in community. They have no outlet or place for that frustration to go um, most recently um, you think about, uh, oliver anthony. Why is he so popular? He's so popular because People are just so fed up and frustrated and they found a place in community that they can empathize with and so I think that's that's something that we as the church need to do a better job at, mm. you know, balancing. Okay, so we're coming and we're gathering together on a Sunday morning, but really the gathering happens during the week too. And community is really not just Sunday morning, is the whole week. So if you're not part of a group through a church or something, something in that way, a smaller group, you're really gonna struggle. So <laughs> what does it mean to me personally? Um, if I'm not part of those things, if I'm not in community with others, things are gonna go really bad in my life. And it doesn't matter if God's with me or against me. You describe the person that says, well, I love Jesus, but I'm not part of a church. I can't, I can't attend once a month or I attend occasionally. I just can't find a place in scripture that says we're supposed to give God one fourth of our life or one third of our life. It says we're supposed to give him our all. We just sang that on Sunday, right, Pastor David? I mean, come on. Um, and I think... I think community is that way too. Um, when you hear something, how do you respond? You know, if you're part of a small group and someone passes away or family member passes away, how do you respond? Do you show up at their house with a meal? Do you show up and just say, I'll just sit with you. Mm. I mean, what, what are, what are you doing? Um, when stuff like that happens and what does that look like, um, for each believer? Uh, also i think there is a struggle because people feel that they're a burden so they don't share in community and when they feel they're a burden they don't share in community they struggle even more and so an openness and vulnerability creates deeper more intimate community in the church and i think that's that's probably the hardest thing because i mean anyone uh we're all like Oh, I'm going to jokingly say, we're in the same decade. He's in another decade. Um, Thanks for that. Appreciate that. I, I just, it's <laughs> only a few years. All you're
1: saying is a little bit more wise
0: than you. Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're a little bit more wise. But but we've lived a life long enough that we know when we've tried to be in community, someone has hurt us,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? And so uh, my my prayer for anyone hearing Church on this week is, if you want to live in community, you got to realize you are going to get hurt, but you gotta keep pressing on. And I think that's something that- Oh, you have to do really-
1: evaluation. It's, it's what's the benefit to the cost of being in that kind of community. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and I think a lot of us throw, in a sense, the baby out with the bathwater because we've taken experience that might not have been the, the greatest experience, maybe a little painful, hurtful, and we're like, you know, forget it, it's not worth it. But I think what you lose in giving it up is significantly greater than the pain of that one experience. But I think what you're saying, and I really like it, is that, that community, is a very is a protection because yeah. it keeps us from things that we would in a sense gravitate towards in isolation. But I also think you got to get specific too. And that is, uh, there's a lot of people, most of us have some form of community in our life. I mean, if mm-hmm. you go to the same bar every week with those other same people, that's a form of cheers? community. Are talking yeah, about that Cheers? That might be, that's, it, that's <laughs> it. <It's laughs> where Everybody
0: knows your name.
1: Exactly, you're right. So if you've got like a group of people that every Sunday watches the football games together, that's a form of community. So I've heard people say, you know, I don't need a small group because I've already got a group of friends. And I'm not saying that you should have friends outside of church. However, um, the benefit and the protection of community within the body of Christ uh, is that you be, you become saturated by whatever values and morals and ethics and atmosphere of the community you've surrounded yourself mm-hmm. with. And so if you surround yourself with the body of Christ community, then all of a sudden biblical morals, the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ is gonna become saturated into you and you'll begin to operate more out of those things. And you can have friends, let's say, at the bar if you want to, but eventually those values are perhaps going to be sinking into you as well. Well, are you gonna influence
0: others or are you gonna have them influence you? And then the other part of it is, Mm -hmm. even in that community, if we're talking Sunday morning, and mm-hmm. a small group time, mm-hmm. that's maybe three and a half, four hours a week. Right. Yeah. And the rest of the hours, you're around everyone else. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know what I'm saying? So, exactly.
1: Like, but I mean, it's, it's very, very rare, almost impossible for the one to have a greater influence over the group as opposed to the group having a greater influence yeah. oh, over yeah. the individual. Yeah. So that's why you have to be very careful of, of what kind of community you surround yourself with.
2: One of, one of the things I love about the community, specific, specifically within the church, is I think... As we as we kind of grow, like grow smaller in the sense of like smaller circles and groups, you become vulnerable with each other. You understand what's going on in each other's lives. Then, when you come into a Sunday morning gathering, um, you come with a different expectancy and a different um, excitement towards seeing the people that you're in community with. But one of the things I love is, um, and I have I have a front row seat. On sunday mornings but when i'm in community with people and i'm up here leading worship and i look out and i see specific people uh engaging in worship saying you know you are faithful uh the goodness of god has been on my life you know all these things and i know what they're going through that does something to me and so when we're in community with each other the story of other people actually encourages us in our faith, and vice oh, yeah. versa. Oh yeah, because I I just I love that. Like when when I can see, um, and I've even heard different people mention that where they sit in a spot where they can look down the row and see a person they know, and and see how they're worshiping on that Sunday and how much that impacts them in yeah. their in their position in life. So oh, yeah,
1: you'll invest, I think it's if you're part of that kind of community. Uh, the longer you are a part of that community, the more difficult it will become for you to sin Mm -hmm. um, and the more easy it will become to find freedom when you do sin. So if your marriage is already struggling when you get into Christian community, then divorce will become more difficult uh, because you'll have the encouragement and support of the body of Christ to to push you towards marital health. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have an addiction or a habit that is extremely unhealthy, Um, if you're vulnerable with your, with your community, like you just suggested, then it'll be easier for you to find freedom from the addiction as opposed to diving headfirst more into it. So I think it's, it's, it's a powerful thing and people, uh, I, I know my wife and I, uh, talk about this whenever we are about ready to go to group and our group agrees with us. And that is, uh, it's hard to go to group <laughs> because our meets on Sunday night, right? And we're like, man, I've already preached this morning. We've already been busy. We got to get ready for the school week and the work week and we just kind of want to chill. And so there's a temptation to say, we're just not going to go. Done. But I think if if that stops you, then then that little barrier prevents you from a far greater benefit if yeah. you well, decide let, to. Let's
2: talk about that. Cause I okay. feel like, I feel like that's a, it's a small barrier, but it's a yeah. bigger barrier for most people than... Yeah, you're
0: right. Can yeah. Pause for one second. Pause. I have one comment. When you were talking, I kept thinking about perseverance through suffering. Yeah. Okay. And so it it's in alignment with where you're going yeah. with this. But basically, <coughs> why? when I look around the room, yeah. when we gather together as a church... I see people that are clearly suffering with cancer, mm-hmm. are suffering with physical ailments, are suffering with um, hurt and pain and broken marriages and yeah. all, all all of that kind of stuff. And yet, every time you go to group, it's still a struggle to get to group. So yep. maybe that's the way I want to unpack that, it that
2: way. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying is like, why is it why is it such a struggle? and and how do we overcome that? Because I know like for for Katie and I, we feel that same thing like when it's time to go to group it's like oh we always we always love group but man i'm tired today oh, yeah. and and yeah. you know oh we've got this thing that we Oh, you know, somebody else asked us to do something more fun. Like, you know, what is, whatever it is. Wait, are you
1: having FOMO? Nah. Well, no, it's just like it's like, you
2: know, it's like yeah. it's like do I want to sit around in a circle and try yeah, not yeah, to yeah. fall asleep or do I want to go to dinner? Like, right. oh. But
1: yeah. this is why I think Paul in the New Testament, uh, he says the phrase train yourself in godliness, right? And he uses the word trained as an athletic right. term for a very specific reason because as an athlete mm. I mean, going to the gym every day, running wind sprints, uh, shooting 100 free throws every day Mm -hmm. is hard. I just want to sit down and watch a movie, but it's all about perspective. If you can see the basketball championship in the future, if you can see finishing the marathon, if you can see hitting that weightlifting goal, then all of a sudden you now have motivation to go past Mm. the desire to stay home and get to the gym, shoot the baskets, Mm. do the running. So I think in this case, it's okay, I see the goal of my spiritual development. Mm. I see my marriage getting healthier, maybe not tomorrow, but in a year. Mm. And so, okay, I see group Christian community as a Mm. catalyst, so I will train my myself for godliness because i see the godly goals down the road and i'll it's, I'll head it's still hard to. man
0: it's Tra- still hard isn't training hard i mean you have <laughs> sore muscles yeah i mean yeah. i i think i think about um how many of us would rather have a night off than go to a group right i mean that's that's kind of mm-hmm. the struggle and i'm in middle of you know four kids all deciding they want to play sports even my four-year-old wants to play sports which he's not yet so but i think of like what is valued most in that? Um, I think of my childhood, where there was moments where I didn't go to something because I had church. Mm-hmm. You know, what does that look like? Um, I think I think our spiritual selves have been how do I say neglected almost by our culture, and so it's very acceptable in American culture to say, "Well, yeah, church is important." but I also would need to do this or, but I also need to do that. So what would you guys say? This is totally off the cuff. What would you guys say to someone that's like, man, I really love groups, but I have no time in my entire week for groups or I have a time, but no one else is meeting at that time. So I guess I'm just not going to do groups.
1: (laughs) Well, I think that's again throwing out the baby with the bathwater because I think there are seasons and there are circumstances that legitimately make being a part of a group like that difficult. However, that doesn't mean that's going to be the case forever. Yeah. And so maybe not right now, but maybe next year or maybe during the school year or maybe when summer shows up. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's still church, right? So you can still have a form of Christian community if you simply show up on Sundays.
2: Well, I think so. the other thing too is like. Um, I, I think like groups are good and that's where we can find a sense of community. But like you said, in seasons, like if you're, if you're, um, if your kids are in sports, there's a good chance that you're going to develop a community with the parents that are also have kids in those sports. And there's a, like, I feel like in, in our context, specifically here at Brookside, it's like, everyone's connected somehow through sports. And so there's an element there where you can say, okay, we may not have a community life group, but we are sitting on the sidelines three times a week. So let's like lean into that Christian community that we have shoulder to shoulder watching our kids. Um, And you may actually find more transparency in those moments than you would if you told your kids, you're not playing sports because we need to have a group. You know what I mean? So I think... Well,
0: and, and there is a balance. I mean, and some some of that can be very missional. I mean, right. our experience since being at Brookside, you know, my kids play sports and you start running, rubbing shoulders with parents that you're seeing multiple times but don't go to church or um, or the people that say, well, I went to church like five years ago, pre-COVID or something, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh, interesting, yeah. you know? And so those are the opportunities um, that are twofold. But I really do think, I, I do think that in essence, when you're in Christian community, that's the recharge. That's the encouragement to be sent out into the world. If you look at Jesus, when he sends the 72 out, he sends the disciples out. He's kind of charging them up to go out into the world. And I think there is a sense of, of that being in balance. And so if that means you're here on Sunday mornings and you're the last person to leave the building because you're talking to others about in Christian community, but yet you can't get to a group, that makes total sense, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but also David, what you said, I think is very practical mm-hmm. um, in the sense that, you know, whoever you're around, you're really in Christian community with if they're followers mm-hmm. of Christ. Right. So yeah. uh let me let me pivot. We've talked a lot about community. I did not fully expect that question to go this long. That's or good. or even good connect conversation. that, you know. Yeah. So so Eric on Sunday, you started with and you shared it in your summary. The presence of God went public with power over Satan with the purpose to heal what Satan has destroyed. Mm-hmm. And so um there was a verse that you read on Sunday um from Luke chapter five. Um, verse thirty two, or well, actually verse thirty one. Let's start there. And Jesus said, "Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." And I think those are two important verses. But maybe on let's let's unpack that a little bit. How do you how do you interpret Jesus' statement
1: there that he's come for the sick and not the healthy? Well, I think I think he's I think he's playing to people's perspective. The perspective I think for some of them, who he's referring to, is actually not accurate. The reality is a little bit different. The reality is everybody is sin, is sick, right? Because yeah. all have sinned and fallen short right. of the glory of God. Yeah. What Wait, he's the ta- Pharisees have sin too. Yeah, oh, oh my! Well, probably more, <laughs> than, probably more than they would. Well, ever admit? That's right, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so, what he's suggesting is that there's not actually somebody who's spiritually healthy enough that they don't need Jesus. He's suggesting that there are people who think they are mm. because they've done so many religious traditions or rituals that they believe purify their souls and therefore they have this right relationship with God now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I explained that was based upon this Old Testament ethic of the high priest going into the temple one time a year in the Holy of Holies Mm -hmm. and the purity practices for that one man one day a year was extended to every Jew every day uh, everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was impossible. But they thought if they could do that, then they're spiritually healthy. Jesus is like, nobody can meet those standards. Nobody mm-hmm. can. So everybody is sick. Uh, I think just what he's saying is, if you don't think that you need me, then, um, then I can't really help you. Hmm. Well, and there's, there's a huge part there.
0: Even with the Old Testament practice, they, they would tie, I don't know if you shared this on yeah. Sunday, they would tie a rope around the high priest, priest's foot because if he died in there, they had to pull him out wow. because oh, yeah. it's the Holy of Holies. It's, yeah. that, that would be, and I think, yeah. I think there's something to that though is that's just a picture of God's glory and God's perfection
1: mm-hmm.
0: that we can never fully attain. So when Jesus says this, um, I bet you some of the people there are discouraged because they've got an overinflated sense of importance or themselves. Mm-hmm. But then the rest of the people there is like, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I bet you all the tax collectors in the room are whooping, you know, like right there excited. Cause they're yeah. like, you came for me, that's you know? Right. That's right. And I think that excitement that we potentially could have um is only diminished by say our pride or the things that we think we've mm. accomplished so let me let me shift that a little bit what does that mean for our understanding of sin and the need for healing maybe both of you oh yeah can answer that
1: no ab- absolutely go ahead go ahead no
0: i
2: can you rephrase that <laughs> yeah
0: w- what does what does this phrase mm-hmm. mean um for our understanding of sin like how deep sin is in us mm. i mean you already answered that part of it but the need for healing so, like, if Jesus says, "Those yeah. who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick," I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And there is I see a direct connection between sickness and repentance. I mean, yeah. like, so unpack that some more. I, I you had, yeah. Some... So
1: I, I think, I think this Jesus is pulling out a massive irony in this mm. verse because. I mean, it's those who think they are healthy are actually the most sick and they will stay sick because they don't recognize the spiritual medicine to get healthy. But the sick are the ones who recognize they are sick and will mm. embrace the spiritual medicine and become healthy. So the, the, the sickest people in, of the Jews, the tax collectors, at least that was perception, become actually the healthiest spiritually and the healthiest of the Jews, the Pharisees actually become the most sick, and I think what he's suggesting is that repentance becomes the medicine, or the yeah. surgery, or the um, the need that will, yeah. the hope that will actually bring the sick to health. Hmm. And so, this is not a picture of who's sick. This is a picture of who is the most spiritually healthy in the kingdom of God, and it's those who recognize how sick they are. Hmm. So, the, if if you ask the question, you know, how deep does that mean our sin is? Um, Jesus says. Um, those who have been forgiven much, forgive much and love much, right? So Mm -hmm. if you're like, man, my life is a complete mess. I mean, I've had an affair, I've been an addict, I've cheated, I've lied. I mean, there's no way that God would ever let me in heaven. And these are the people who say, man, when I walk through a church door, I'm afraid lightning's gonna strike it and Mm -hmm. burn it down, right? But if they can see the repentant nature of Jesus' grace, Mm -hmm. then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden they have the potential of becoming the most healthy in the kingdom of God.
2: That's good. Do you think that... Um, I'm gonna just generalize the church in general has traditionally operated as the Pharisees towards those people, towards the sick. Like, do you, I guess I think, it, like you said, the, the person that walks in is like, oh, the lightning is gonna strike down. Like, do you think that that's based off of a perception, their perception of God? Or do you think we as a church have actually hurt that? The, uh, you know what I, mean? I I think, that yeah, created that perception. Yeah, I created yeah. that perception.
0: I think there is I think there is some cultural things. So like, I don't know if you knew Muhammad Gandhi tried to go into a church once. I heard that. But he was not dressed appropriately. Right. Yeah. So they told him to leave, right? right? Uh, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you look at the the movie Jesus Revolution, which I think does a good picture of what the church culture was in mm. the united states years ago and all of a sudden someone's embracing hippies and yeah. they're like this is nuts yeah. right like the church's response was like yeah. pastor you're crazy mm-hmm. yeah. but people are coming to jesus yeah, yeah. You know, And you see people move in that. I, I remember listening to my mom talk about her salvation experience. And she's like, I really was part of that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. She's like, well, I wasn't a hippie, but I was a part of the Jesus yeah. revolution because yeah. that was, I, I came to faith and I wasn't in a Christian home. Right. I had nothing to do with Jesus. Right. And all of a sudden it happens. And I think, so in answer to your question, I think there are moments where the church puts boundaries mm. on the diversity and in the body of Christ thought-wise or even like mm-hmm. how we dress, how we look, mm-hmm. that are artificial mm-hmm. yeah, and are not what God has
1: put forward. But again- Well, I mean, very, this, this, I mean, that very conversation uh, gets my blood boiling a little bit. And it, it comes, I think I've mentioned a story a couple of times over the years while I preached. And that is, there is a, um, Craig Rochelle tells a story in one of his books yeah. of a, a young single mother who decided to go to church that morning with her kids. And she parks in front of the church out on the street. Um, um and she gets out and she pulls her kids out. She begins to walk up the steps towards the entrance. And the two greeters at the door said, "I'm sorry, young young woman, but here we dress up for church." Um, and apparently they thought she wasn't dressed up enough. And so she turns around, gets back in her car, drives away, and most likely never darkens the door of a church again. And I think that's an example of, mm. of what you're talking about, how yeah. we created this image. And that's why, that's why when people say, hey, uh, you're not dressed up as a pastor. You know, I'm like, thank you for noticing. Uh, and and when we have this ethic of you need to dress up for church, I hate that because it creates this image. <laughs> I'm just thinking it's Sunday. Uh, David and I had this conversation. Oh, I was yeah. like, oh,
0: my kids set out their church clothes because they want to dress yeah, yeah. up for and Sunday. And you can have and it, church no, clothes. No, no, but it's right. hilarious because he goes, well, do they wear secular clothes the rest of the week? That's right. And I was that's like, right. wait a second, wait a <laughs> second. Know, There's
1: not God clothes and not God clothes. Exactly. Anyway. Now I'm not saying that you dress like you right. dress like a yeah. slob or anything right. like that. Know, I'm going to wear anything that's got like in. We receive like, people where they're at right exactly and and because honestly we don't want to give any kind of impression that that in this place the the holiness is so great that if you don't dress up then you're not welcome yeah. here and that's the case for you know everything we bring your coffee into the sanctuary because even if it spills and makes a stain on the coffee it doesn't matter okay and so it's all about the posture of your heart right. and that that gets me
2: going so so how do we how do we I feel like that's in our in our context here at Brookside, I feel like we're in a space where we would welcome anyone. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so how do we take that heart posture then outside of the church and create a space for ourselves where we don't expect people to be not sick when we're around them? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I think there's this thing about your facial expression that reveals Mm -hmm. what you're actually thinking. And so I think people can tell if, if you're disgusted by what they've just revealed or if you give them compassion and sympathy.
2: Hmm.
1: But I I don't know. Have you, I mean, you've seen when, when people are vulnerable receiving them
0: in a safe space, I'm not trying to use some woke term or whatever, but, but Jesus, I think did a very, I don't, I don't want to say good job. Hmm. It was who he was, but you see people be vulnerable with him. I mean, you see Zacchaeus Hmm. say stuff, then you're like, Mm-hmm. Zacchaeus just said he robbed everybody, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and then Jesus is like, "Well, pay him back." That's right. And he's like, "Okay, yes, sir." You know, like, yeah. but the but you see things happen and he receives people where mm-hmm. they're at. Um, I think that's sometimes our struggle is, um, you know, I remember listening to a rap song a long time ago by a Christian rapper, and he's like, basically, take me as I am, mm-hmm. and he was struggling to go to church because he's like, no one's taking me as I am, mm-hmm. like. I know I need to get cleaned up. I just don't know the way yet, Wow, you know? And so like, that's some of like receiving people where they're at. Um, Also, I think understanding that we are messy and there still is a lot of mess. And what is most important? I mean, I'd rather talk to someone that loves Jesus, but maybe sometimes says a word they shouldn't Mm -hmm. than someone that doesn't love Jesus and acts like they're all okay, Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the, if they think they can morally get to heaven, then they're exactly what this passage is talking about. They think they're healthy, but I came for the sick. Um, so I think that's kind of a struggle there. It, it, what do you What do you guys think? I, not to pivot too much. You're I know fine. Not to pivot too much, but what do you think about this observation that we see? Like when 9-11 happened, that's a lot of years ago. And just this week is actually the anniversary of that. What do you think when something like that happens and people flood to the church in times of crisis Mm. um why why do you think that that is happening that they seek help only in that time of crisis is that the time that they feel like they're sick Mm. and they're not sick other times what 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 do you think is going on there
2: i feel like a lot of times that's driven out of like i'm looking for hope like everything mm-hmm. seems down and so maybe they're looking for healing, um, whatever that looks like for them. Uh, but in an instance like that, I think a lot of times it's driven by like, I want, I want to know that everything's going to be okay. And the church seems to have this thing that is, seems okay. Like everybody seems pretty good with it. So I think that's part of it. Um, I was, uh, I was reading a book on prayer and this kind of goes along with it. Um, they were talking about how most people are, are open to prayer. We even talked about that last week mm-hmm. and how you say, hey, let's, let's pray. And no one's gonna say, we're not gonna pray. Everyone kind of uh, understands like what's happening. So I think it's almost more driven by that is like people come to church because that's, a, that's where they think you pray. And they're looking for hope and like an answer and so I think um, that might be part of kind of the answer to your question a little bit is just that I think they are looking for a healing and and hope is where that lies okay let me pause Eric
0: I'm not gonna give you a chance to answer this one because I want you to answer this one so how do we shift from uh, how do we shift to seeking healing for our souls rather than just focusing on church attendance.
1: (laughs) Okay. Let me, let me see if I can. So, so unpacking. Yeah. How do we shift from just looking for church attendance to finding healing for people? Yes. Yeah. Um, good question. So I don't think that, that, looking for and praying for and tracking church attendance is inherently an evil thing um i think it's actually a healthy thing even though i think there have been some uh anyway uh.
0: (laughs) well no no here's where here's where i was going with it is is not that church attendance is bad but if we solely rely on church attendance rather than the healing that jesus can bring right well, we you, may never hear the gospel just no, because I, we're I, sitting I in a room and the Holy Spirit's yeah. not
2: moving in our lives. You, so that's what you I mean. mentioned it a little bit mm-hmm. on Sunday about how you meet with people and they're looking for that healing. You see them for three weeks solid and then you don't see them for a couple months. I think that's right. what you're kind of yes. referring to. And yes, and I,
1: th- I think it's you got to evaluate why do people do that. And I think um, part of it is is they're looking for hope. Uh, I think sometimes crisis, not sometimes, I think crisis has a way of of revealing to you that the foundations of mm-hmm. security and hope that you've been building your life on are actually quite flimsy. And I think that's what 9-11 showed us, that people were building their life on national security and the monetary system. And when those things were proven to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. then like, oh, I have nowhere to land my foundation on, right? And so mm-hmm. they're perhaps saying, maybe Jesus is the right answer. But then when everything gets better again, they're like, oh, no, 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 it's it it's back on, <laughs> it was the money, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I think, I think yeah. the first thing in, and encouraging people towards health or healing is by giving them the right perspective of reality, and that is mm-hmm. that Jesus is your hope; He's the anchor for your soul. And so, the perhaps the first step towards discipleship and healing is recognizing that everything else will disappoint you. And from that point on, how do you? I mean, how do you? I, I don't. I don't. Even, I don't even know if church attendance has anything to do with that because. Because there are times when church attendance goes sky high, and that might be because you've got the latest gimmick. I mean, I think that we're gonna have a new LED wall here pretty soon, and people are gonna be like, dude, that's so shiny and cool. And for the next couple of weeks, we're gonna have really good attendance, right? Uh, Or it could be, you know, I think something broke in my life. And I just mm-hmm. need somewhere to kind of vent and somebody to mm-hmm. talk to, and then they'll come to church. And I think those are all. I'm not saying that those things are wrong. I'm saying those things are open door opportunities for the church to embrace those mm-hmm. people and then not keep them there, but encourage them further down the road in their faith. Um, and I think that ought to lead to mm-hmm. higher church attendance.
2: Yeah, I think so what you're, ought to what lead you're to saying is that Sunday morning is is not an opportunity for us to check out when we come into church. It's an opportunity for us to look next to us, to the other people, to find opportunity to bring healing, even on a Sunday morning. Because I think a lot of times we can come into church and we can just, you know, check out because there is the cool experience or there is the, you know, whatever, the the Israel luncheon after lunch uh, or after service or whatever that is. And we can kind of check out and just go through the motions of church for the sake of church attendance. But there really is a critical piece Mm of you're coming in, you're sitting in a row next to people who also Mm. need healing. So our job when we walk in these doors is to be an agent mm-hmm. of healing to the people next to us. Oh,
1: yeah. So Sunday morning, I think a lot of us have the perspective of church similar to what we perceive our Sunday afternoon will be watching football. So it's... it's Mike wow. Sunday
2: afternoon is definitely going to be more charismatic than Sunday morning.
1: Well, absolutely, right? But it's, it's perspective is <laughs> I'm watching somebody else on the field, right? Mm. And they're performing and they're making the game yeah. winning touchdowns and we're just there to cheer them on. And I feel like that perspective is most of our perspective of church. We come to we sit and we watch somebody perform. And what we do on stage, it legitimately is a performance to some degree. And we're hoping that it will end in something of a touchdown at the end of the hour, right? But I think if we change our perspective and say, when I come to church, it's not that I'm coming to watch, it's that I'm coming to get in the game. And so... Part of the touchdown will be me reaching across the aisle to my neighbor when I see tears start flowing. Mm. Or it's it's walking across the aisle to meet somebody I've never seen before yeah. and say, hey, let me introduce myself. You yeah. build that relationship and maybe you pray with somebody yeah. and all of a sudden you just scored that game-winning touchdown. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the hour, we've got to win. But it's not because of what we did on the yeah. stage. It's because of what they're yeah. doing with each other in the community.
2: Absolutely. I saw that on Sunday morning. Oh, tell like, me. I, tell would me. Just, like, I, I looked out in our second service, and there's somebody that I know who's struggling with something. And um, they started crying. And before long, the person next to them put their arm around them. And that just, like, as somebody on stage, that wrecks me to the point of where I'm almost unable to sing. Um, but it's because of the power of like the healing that's happening in that moment that we don't actually see it. Like you mentioned, like we think of healing as like this physical, like, oh, you can walk or you can see or the cancer is gone or all those things. But that's an actual active healing that was happening is, is somebody was carrying something heavy, began weeping during a song and somebody else came and just simply put an arm around them. I'm like, yeah, let's do more of that.
0: <laughs> no, that's that's the one anothering right, that absolutely. needs to happen yeah, in the yeah. church. Uh, something something you mentioned even about uh, church attendance and discipleship and and gimmick new things, right? Something I kept thinking about as you guys were talking was there's a huge difference between church attendance as a result of discipleship or investment in others like in community and church attendance because of something that's on the stage on a sunday morning you know there's a huge difference because you have this long-term focus or the short-term focus the people that come for three weeks and you don't see them for two months why is that well they're looking for something that they become impatient about they found that hope okay i got it i'm good i'm gonna go back it's like how we go to the doctor i mean it's the same way we function (laughs) with physicians i mean think about it we go to the doctor they prescribe a medicine and we leave their office and we don't talk to them again until something's wrong again. So really we're treating (laughs) Jesus like we treat doctors. And Jesus is saying here, you've no need of a physician if you're not sick. Basically what he's saying is you're permanently sick and I am the only way to be healed. Mm -hmm. So you need to stick to me like
1: glue. And we're (laughs) Did you just bring in the analogy? Look,
0: yeah, that was perfect. That was
2: unintentional. Yeah, was, uh, uh, I can't see this? the glue. Okay,
0: <laughs> no, but like we we basically treat Jesus like a physician. We go into his office. Mm-hmm. We say, "Hey Jesus, um, I've got this ailment. I've got gout. Um, I've got this crazy wart. Can you freeze it off? Whatever. I don't know something
1: something. Those crazy. are weird examples. He gives. I know. Yeah, I'm trying like, to think. Almost everything. a little yeah. too personal. <laughs> I'm
0: like, well, I have gout and I have warts. No, I don't. But but just we go in there with a problem and we expect him to fix it. And he's not like a medication. He's more like going to physical therapy and anyone that's been in physical therapy is it hurts. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes going through what we're going through hurts. Mm -hmm. And I I think we discount the fact that long-term discipleship definitely comes with some suffering and some sacrifice And so really, as a church, we need to sometimes embrace the fact that we're going to suffer, we're going to sacrifice things um, to be part of that community of the church. And that does require attendance because you can't rub shoulders with people if you don't attend church. You can't rub shoulders with other believers if you're not part of a group. You know, there is opportunities for that. Um, And I think sometimes we long for those moments like David described where it's like, hey, I'm right next to you. I'm carrying the burden with you. Mm. Sometimes we can be Jesus to others very easily. Yeah. Yeah, yet we're afraid to put our arm out or a hand out and shake someone's hand. Or Sunday I prayed with a guy and as I'm praying with a guy, I'm realizing, well, the person that told me, hey, this is what's going on with him. Can you pray with him? I thought, man, I missed an opportunity. That person should have prayed with him with me. You see, like there's so yeah. many opportunities to do that. Bring people along with you. So I, I definitely think that there's a balance there. So- Okay. Eric, you had three really good take homes this week. And can I read those? I mean, I want to read those for the the podcast here. Um, Learn to maneuver conversation toward healing. Um, Sounds like we're taking people to the healer, right? (laughs) I mean, if that's not evangelism, I don't know what is, but then also your healing breakthrough comes through honest vulnerability. So come as you are. Why do you think it
1: is that we're afraid of honest vulnerability? I think we each have this image that we like to keep up. And if that image is somehow broken, uh, then all of a sudden our value, our worth, perhaps even our friendship with people will suffer. Hmm. And so we feel like we've got to keep up pretenses for the sake of posterity, I don't know. Um, but but that, is, that almost never helps us long-term. Um, The moment you start to confess, you realize a couple things. Number one, that was an extremely freeing thing that you just did. Mm -hmm. And you feel like this burden has just been lifted off your shoulder. And the other thing you discover is everyone around you is like, yeah, I, I struggle with that too. And all of a sudden you don't feel isolated or alone anymore. And all of a sudden they start to feel free. So the moment that you begin to be vulnerable with Christian, community, mean, you got to do it with the right people, man. If, if you do that with somebody else, some people cannot handle the responsibility of mutually bearing each other's burdens, which scripture yeah. asks us to do. So within Christian community, um, you find freedom and, you invite them to find freedom too uh, and it's just an upward cycle of continued help so so how 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 can we foster an environment
0: like that like yeah in a group or something like mm-hmm. maybe maybe i'm the person that's like i want to i want to lead a group or i want to be part of a group right but i haven't been one that's fostering that sense of
1: well you got to think longevity i mean if you think that you're going to join a group and day one everyone's going to start confessing everything uh, not a chance, man. And so you've got to have that trust built, right? And that takes a while. So yeah. don't expect somebody to be vulnerable and honest mm-hmm. with you in the group if they if and until they've been with you for like a year. And don't try to pull it out before then, mm-hmm. because now all of a sudden you're trying to put vulnerability over trust, and that never works. So it takes time. So if somebody's saying, "Man, I just want to be in a group where," I can find freedom and, and be vulnerable, then that's great. But you're gonna have to commit to that and build that relationship for at least a year before, before they're okay with that kind of stuff. I, I, the analogy that I use is putting change in your pocket and then expending change from your pocket. I mean, you've got to build up a lot of change and credible relational value with somebody before you can expect them to actually um, be that open and honest with you.
2: I think, like you mentioned, somebody who wants to start a group. I think um, on the on the flip side of that, if you're somebody who wants to start a group that's vulnerable, you can lead from that space, and that I think mm-hmm. that timeline then shrinks. Yeah. Because I know, like, and you don't want to be the group where they they come and all of a sudden you're just like, "So I sin this week, and yeah, here's yeah. my sins, and here's the things." Um, but there are ways to be vulnerable to to not portray an image that we have it all figured out and to say like uh like by saying like i don't have the answer that's vulnerable it's not like Mm -hmm. it's not exposing something that's like crazy but it is vulnerable to say you know that's a really good question i don't know that maybe somebody else does maybe we can figure it out together um i think a lot of times like for for leaders specifically i think it starts with us to be able to say i'm going to choose to be vulnerable even if the trust isn't totally there, because there's things we can be vulnerable with that don't require mm-hmm. large levels of trust, sure. and I think that that can then produce that v- vulnerability within a community of people quicker. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. If
0: we don't lead from a place of vulnerability, we can't expect others right. to be vulnerable with us. Right. I think.
2: And I think, sorry, going back to the first take at home, yeah, yeah, like learn to maneuver conversations towards healing. I was just with. Um, a few counselors this morning and um one of we were we were praying and one of them said uh, prayed that we would not um oh, how did she phrase this it it blew my mind but she said uh help us to bring people towards healing and not to become the healer or bring people towards the healer but our, we ourselves not be that if that makes sense I don't know I'm probably butchering it no nah, we're that. but the it. whole idea of like we know who brings healing, that's Jesus. But a lot of times I think we in community can try to be the healer. We can try to fix things. We can try to say, oh no, it's fine, whatever. But I think if we can have that posture of saying, like just being alongside people and saying like, hey, like continue to point people towards Jesus because he brings the healing. Like that's not something we do.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I, 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 I can see like a simple example of that. Like when you're with broken people, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And when you're broken yourself, it's uncomfortable. And so we try to bridge that gap, whether it's not wanting silence in a conversation or not wanting whatever it is, is there's moments sometimes where you don't need to say anything. It sounds really weird, but you can just look someone in the eyes and let them continue to talk. Even if they can't, they're, they're struggling to give their words or mm-hmm. things like that. It's easy for Christians to to have a quote-unquote savior complex i think is is maybe the term people would use and it's like oh we got to fix this person or fix that person there whatever and it's well-meaning but i think you're right where they're taking away from the true healer they're taking away from the when jesus says but those who are sick he's like those who are sicker for me mm-hmm. they're not for you but yeah. we can be a part of that right right we can be a part of the healing but anytime we take the the the, we're pointing away from jesus instead of pointing or pointing at ourselves instead of at jesus then we're going to lose the influence and the impact that we possibly could have
2: well that's kind of what the pharisees were doing right Right. they were saying hey we have all the answers we know how to make this work and jesus is like nah that ain't it (laughs) i think think
1: we have to be careful though because i mean if somebody really takes that take at home seriously and like listen i got i got a dinner plan with some friends on friday night and and i'm going to ask them about this right and so i think you have to be tactful because if all of a sudden you become the person that just tries to fix you every time you get together no one's going to want to hang out with you anymore so yeah. you have to be tactful and respectful keeping people's dignity um um and and, and not just make don't make it awkward I mean, well there's so, a there's a
0: power juxtaposition yeah, right, it's like yeah. it's like well, I'm healthy and I'm going to tell you uh-huh. what to do. Right. It's like, wait a second, hold up here. Yeah,
1: I don't want to be around you when you do that.
0: Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's the it's the know-it-all problem. You know, when yeah. someone, or the top that, you ever have someone, you tell a story like, I hiked five miles. Well, I've hiked 15. Mm. Those people are so Manhattan. fun to be with. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Don't be that Christian. Right. Right? And so sometimes I think telling our testimony mm. is actually the easiest way to bring people to healing. Like, this is what happened in my life. Mm. And I realized like how much I needed Jesus. Mm. Um, and not losing sight of what that testimony is. The longer we're in the church, the more we lose sight of what we've been saved from, yeah. I think. Um, we, we're very forgetful creatures, right? Mm. And so I think that's, that can be a struggle. But that leads to the third take home right yeah. there. So internalizing Isaiah 53, 5. Let me, let me read that. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are what? healed. And Mm -hmm. so I think internalizing that is something that takes us from that, oh, I've forgotten what Jesus has done for me Mm -hmm. to, I need to be praying this every day and praying over this and thinking about this and processing this because I've been healed Mm -hmm. so that I can go and help heal others. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have, I have uh, a question to kind of close us. Okay. So question is, how can we be a place of healing either in a community life group or a smaller group like i sunday morning i think you gave a perfect example but like thinking in terms of a smaller size group how can we be a place of healing in sunday morning your example was putting your arm around someone they probably prayed with them at some point um but what does that look like in a smaller group um maybe you're longing for a place of healing what does that look like at brookside
1: well, I think that's that's the the way that we've designed our community life groups. It's um, so that they can find not just those friends, build that friendship, but also find a group of people that, even though we're in a larger church, I mean you can feel like a drop in a bucket here if you're if you're not careful, but it's a people that you can go to in a moment's notice, build that friendship, and build that trust yeah. uh, so that you can, have easy access uh, to the encouragement that you need on a regular basis. And I think the way that we're designing our groups is for that purpose. It's not just to have a good time with each other. It's not just to have dinners together. It's so that through that environment and those platforms, uh, we can find the healing that we want. And I think think you've done a great job in building our group's nature and atmosphere for that purpose.
0: growing together in Jesus together. It's not just a barbecue, you know, right? (laughs) Well, uh, Eric, I really appreciate it Sunday and I can't wait to see what the next step on the table is. I'm trying to figure out what that's gonna be. And (laughs) so if you're following along with us in this series, The Table, please subscribe to Church Unscripted because we're gonna have more conversations like this every week. Um, I'm really excited, um, for where we're going to go, um, in the book of Luke, uh, through the series. And, uh, if you have, uh, you can hit the notification bell. You can also hit the subscribe, um, but also, uh, like if you comment, we will answer some questions. I mean, we we're excited about what the series looks like. So, um, just give us some questions there and we'll see you next week.